It's good to be here. We're on our last message in our series entitled Overcomers. And this morning we're going to talk about self-centeredness, our selfishness, how to overcome um, self-centeredness, selfishness. Now, I was dealing with pretty, pretty sure that I was going to preach on pride. And as I began to look into this, the Holy Spirit just kept referring to one phase of pride, and, and that is self-centeredness. So uh, we're just uh, excited about that. So open your Bibles, if you will, to Mark chapter 6, or excuse me, yeah, Mark chapter 6, we'll begin there uh, as we talk about uh, overcoming self-centeredness. Josh, did you bring that baby in? <laughs> Amen. Josh, wave, wave your hand. Brand new son. Amen. So we're excited. He snuck in here. He's, yeah, amen, amen. <laughs> she did all the work in putting up with you in the process, right? Amen, amen. So uh, the answer to how, how are we going to deal with this uh, self-centeredness is simply this. Prioritize people. Prioritize people. Now, what do you prioritize in your life? Just put that in the back of your head. What, what's priority in your life? Now, 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 don't just come up with the answer that you heard from the pulpit or your mom and dad. What do you spend most of your money, most of your time, most of your energy on? What is your priority as we begin thinking about this? Now, so let's think about Jesus. Let's go back to the New Testament. What, what do you think was on his mind? What do you think that Jesus was thinking about? What was his life consumed with? Well, that's what we're going to look at. Uh, in Mark chapter 6 and verse 34, we see that, that it was people. Now, now you've got to look at this in the context. John the Baptist had just been beheaded. Okay? And Jesus, like verse 32, said, let's, let's go off by ourselves and let's get alone for a while. And no doubt he wanted to talk to his disciples about this, this horrendous tragedy about John the Baptist's head being chopped off. He wanted to talk to them and maybe help them through that or himself get away and process the death of his, his uh, forerunner. And, and so he gets off the boat to go there. And then notice what happens. Jesus saw a huge crowd he, when he stepped from the boat. And he had, instead of saying, oh, I can't deal with this right now. I've got to be, have my alone time. Instead, he says... He, it says, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So, so it's, I mean, his whole life was consumed with people. Now, notice this, and I'd love to be there as Jesus expounded on the Word of God. So he began to teach them many things. This is fantastic. Jesus literally sets the crowd down, and he opens up the Word of God, and he begins to teach it. Or he just teaches the Old Testament to them. Many, many things. Now, wouldn't you love to be there? Well, the great thing is we are there every morning if we'd like to be. Amen? Because this is the words of God directly to us. So Jesus was consumed. His thought process was with people. All right? Even his disciples, when he told them to follow him. You remember what he said? He said, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Okay, so they're fishermen, right? And what are they thinking about? Well, they're thinking about, uh, you know, I've, I've got to get the bait ready. 
What kind of bait should I use today? What kind of bait are the fish biting at? Where are the fish biting? Now I gotta get my boat ready. I gotta get the staff ready for the boat. I gotta get the, the nets ready. I mean, their whole mind was thinking about fishing. And Jesus says, from now on, you're gonna be fishing for men. So no longer are they gonna think about fish. They're gonna think about men. So even when he said, follow me, the idea was, now you're gonna do, be doing what I, I'm doing. And that is thinking about people. Even on the worst difficult day, the worst day that Jesus ever had was on the cross. What was he doing on the cross? Paying for our sins. But, but what was on his mind? His mother? His mother? He was out there. He said, John, take care of my mother. He was thinking about her. And then the two thieves, he was thinking about them. He turned to the one. He said, today you will be with me in paradise. He thought about the guys that were crucifying him, and he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. So his mind was all about people. And I believe this is, this is the remedy, what we tend to get into. How, let's just be honest here. How many of you would, be, you, you would consider yourself, don't ask your wife, don't ask your husband, how many of you would consider yourself self-centered? Ooh. Well, wait a minute. Let me, right? How many, how many, how many are self-centered this morning? You feel that you are just a little bit self-centered or a lot self-centered? Raise your hand. Okay. How many are not self-centered? Raise your hand. There's two of you. All right. One, two, not self-centered. Oh, John, journey's not self-centered. Amen. Bible says, don't praise thyself, but let another man praise thee. And that's what happened over here. Amen. All right. Okay, we all have that tendency to be focused on ourselves or our own little world. And the remedy, and that's what we're going to dive into today, is prioritizing people. Bring it down to where we live, prioritizing the person. The person that you're talking to, the person that you're dealing with. Okay, so, so how did Jesus do this? Let's make it very practical. How did Jesus Christ think about others. You say, well, he's God. Well, let's look at what scripture says to help us out this morning. All right. How did Jesus prior to, number one, write this down in the back of your notes or in your notes, the heart of the father. Jesus knew the heart of the father. All right. John chapter one and verse 18 says this, no man has seen God, but the one and the only son himself is himself God and is, now notice this, is near to the Father's heart. Now, if anybody is going to know the Father, it's going to be the Son. And he is near to the Father's heart. Okay, so then it says, he hath revealed God to us. So, you know, Jesus told the disciples, when you see me, you see the Father. So everything that Jesus was saying, everything that Jesus was doing, it was all about the Father and revealing Him. So not only did Jesus have people in His mind, God the Father is thinking about people and thinking about the person. All right? Uh, even, even when the Pharisees, when, when Jesus saw the religious people taking advantage of other people, it made Him upset. Religious people, you wouldn't think taking advantage of other people, but that's exactly what was taking place. Uh, open your Bible. Look at your Bibles at Matthew chapter 23. Uh, I'd love to be able to 
dissect this, uh, but we just don't have time. So I want to take a couple of verses out of the whole chapter. Verse 4. Now he's talking about the Pharisees, the scribes, and the religious people. Now listen to Jesus' description of religious people. They crush people with unbearable religious demands. Huh? The churches, the religious people, crush people with their unbelievable religious, unbearable religious demands and never lift a finger to ease their burden. That's what Jesus said of the religious people. Now, make an application. There's no doubt, as we know today in our generation, there's a lot of churches that has a lot of do's and don'ts and then never divvy out truth to help normal people bear their daily burdens. Can I hear an amen? We're just, there's just a lot of religion out there and not a lot of relationship when it comes to their teaching. Okay, so Jesus, that's his description. Verse 5, he says, everything they do is for a show. But it's interesting, verse 16, 17, 18, and 19, those four verses, in three of them, he calls these religious leaders blind. The teachers of the religious churches and the religious movements of, Je- movements of Jesus' day are blind. What's he talking about? They weren't physically blind. They were spiritually blind. Jesus was describing the religious people that they don't understand the truth of God. So what were they teaching? What were they standing up teaching in Jesus' day if it wasn't the doctrine about God and how to live for God and how to have a relationship? What were they teaching? They were teaching men's doctrine. That's important to understand. They had books and books and books about the Old Testament. They just kept writing, kept writing, kept writing the laws and, and all the, uh, uh, what we would call commentaries and all this stuff. And so instead of reading the Word of God and studying it for themselves, they were literally reading all these other men's teaching and then coming out and talking about these teachings rather than getting into the book itself. So they were preaching men's doctrine. Then notice how he finishes off in verse 29. We'll go over to verse 29 and 30. Pretty harsh description of Jesus' day. What sorrow awaits you teachers of religions, religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites? And then he goes into a description. And I don't have time for that, but what sorrow awaits? He's describing, and he's going to talk about it a little bit in a few minutes. That those that are teaching these doctrines of man and not how to have a relationship, an intimate relationship with God, they're the ones that are going to pay the heavy price separated from God. The men and the teaching that the whole world at Jesus' day was supposed to follow in Jerusalem, they were lying and divvying out lies, doctrines of men, and it wasn't pointing to the Messiah. It wasn't pointing to God. It was all doctrine. They're what awaits them. Look on down, uh, verse 31. Well, let's go on down, verse 32. Go ahead and finish what your ancestors started. Snakes, sons of vipers, how will you escape the judgment of hell? <laughs> That's pretty powerful. All right, so let's just back up for a moment. We're talking about prioritizing people. 
the religious crowd wasn't prioritizing people. We at real life want to prioritize people. Can I hear an amen? We don't want to preach just doctrines of men, and we just want to go, don't want to put on a performance for an hour. We want to prioritize the person. We don't want to do what, because what great judgment waits, awaits them. Now, there's another famous teaching in the Word of God. In, in uh, Luke chapter 15, the, the prodigal son. Everybody knows the story of the prodigal son. Very popular story. But that's a third of the story. So, open your Bibles to Luke chapter 15. Let's go back to Luke 15. Let's look at this story. In this story, Jesus is saying the same thing. He's talking to the, look at verse 1, verse 1 and 2. He's talking to the religious people. And and, and what happens is, verse 1 and 2 is describing a scenario of what actually what's taking place. Tax collectors, which were horrible person of Jesus' day, they collected taxes and then they lied about how much taxes that the person owes. Does this sound familiar? (laughs) Okay, so tax collectors and Notice this, notorious sinners often came to hear Jesus teach. So all these horrible people gathered around Jesus as he began to teach them the words of life. Notice how the religious people responded. Okay? This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law to complain and murmur because Jesus associated with these sinful people. And not just associating, he was eating with them. He was fellowshiping. He was having a great time with them as they sat around the table eating. And the religious people, how dare you associate? So out of this comes this story with three different phases of it. And you all know the story. The the, the story of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. And it goes into those. Now, what I want to reveal to you is Jesus is, these three stories are to the religious people. And what he's saying is, listen guys, you're mad about all these people to come to see me, but here's the reality, you don't have a clue. You don't have a clue. Why? Because it's all about people. That's why I'm here. These sinners got around. That's why I'm here. They didn't have a clue. Let's not get to the place where we're trying to live for Jesus and we're, we don't prioritize people. Let's not gravitate to that kind of a, a religious church where we're just coming together and we're just putting in, you know, just having this, we had this perfect Christian life. We're trying to live, you know, a, 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 a faultless life or we're trying to live uh, with no problems in our lives we're striving for understand your life should be about people prioritize people now so so what he says is he goes in a story about the the lost sheep and i'm not gonna read it all but he they find the sheep the one shepherd finds the sheep puts on his shoulders takes it home causes his neighbors to let's rejoice over the one sheep now notice verse seven it's on the screen verse seven in the same way This is to you and me. In the same way, there's more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than the 99 who are righteous and haven't strayed at all. 
In the same way, heaven erupts in a party every single time a person gets saved. Every time. Those of you that just got saved recently, just remember this. When you got saved and you you knelt down and you prayed that prayer, heaven erupted in a party because you trusted Christ. All of heaven is what it says. Then it goes down to the lost coin. Well, you think, okay, so now they're going to talk about tithing. No, they're not. All right. This lady loses a coin. She finds it and she's rejoicing, calls her neighbors and says, rejoice with me. Notice what it says in verse 10 on the screen. In the same way, in the same way that this woman was rejoicing over she found the crown, the crown, the coin, there is joy in the presence of God's angels when one person gets saved. Talk about prioritizing. Every time a person gets saved, all of heaven rejoice, rejoices. And then in the presence of God's angels, people rejoice. No doubt that's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And all the Old Testament saints, which, which we're not going to get doctrinally, they're not even there yet. All right? Then it goes down to the lost son. Okay? The lost son. This is fantastic. These other two pictures are heaven, and this is a picture of earth. And the son was gone. The father kept coming back to that hill and, and hoping his son comes back. The son comes home. He, the father runs up, grabs him. The son's wanting to talk about how he was so wrong. The father didn't want to hear it. The father grabs him, begins to, to cry and, and put a ring on his finger, put a robe on his back, put some sandals on his feet, and let's go home. Let's get the fatted calf. And then look at the screen, verse 23. This is the father. And, and kill the f- calf that we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. <laughs> we must celebrate with a feast. Why celebrate? For this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost and is now found. So the party began. What kind of party? Oh, they were just sitting around the table, just quiet and just shh the service is in process right no no so it says uh, it's not on the screen but the next verse says there was loud music and dancing oh wait a minute we shouldn't dance in church right oh, when somebody gets saved you better dance all right amen when somebody gets saved i mean what 27 times here at real life since the new year there's been 27 people come to christ we should celebrate that so, right now, why don't you get up and dance? No, I'm kidding. I don't want you to Let's give the Lord a hand for people getting saved at Real Life Church. Amen? Okay. Now, the story goes on where the old, older brother, the religious guy, comes in and hears this loud music and hears this party and it's this eating and celebrating, and he gets angry. Loud music and dancing. Amen? I could preach on that for an hour, but we don't have time. All right? Not like last week. I'm calm today. And we're going to finish our message even if it takes two hours. Because last week, people were getting on me. Don't worry about the clock. Don't worry about the clock. Well, we're just going to see if you really mean that. Amen? I'm kidding. Okay. So, so Jesus was upset over the fact that the church 
or the religious crowd of Jesus' day in Jerusalem, Judea, you know, wasn't prioritizing people, but rather their duties. You know, uh, Jesus uh, uh, said, you do great that you tithe, and the Bible says they tithe over every single thing, but, but where's your grace? Where's your love? Where's your forgiveness? And all of these things. You know, so, so it just reveals to us the heart of the Father is not just with people, but with the person. The person that you're with right at that moment, that's the one. Right then and there, that's the one that you prioritize. You say, well, which person? The one you're with. That's your focus. Let your words and your action, your facial expression be used by God to encourage and uplift and prioritize that person. Number two, talking about just getting rid, getting rid of it, getting away from the self-centeredness. How did Jesus do it? And, you know, prioritizing people. He basically knew the heart of the Father. Number two, the reality of eternity. Jesus understood the reality of eternity. Now, I'm not going to preach up here fire and brimstone. You're worried about that. We're just going to preach the book. Can I hear an amen? <laughs> We're just, as this is, as we are. Okay? Jesus often spoke of the reality of eternity. So, so let's just look at a couple of scriptures here. In, in Matthew chapter 25 and verse 46 says this, And they will go away into everlasting punishment, but righteous but the righteous will go into eternal, eternal and eternal life. Eternal punishment and eternal life. Luke chapter 16, verse 23. Again, just picking a couple of verses. I wish we could to go through it all if we can. And his soul went to the place of the dead. There in torment. You can argue about where dead is, but in both places and all through the scripture, it talks about eternal smoke of their torment. And here it talks about their torment. He saw Abraham afar off in a distance and Lazarus in his bosom. So Jesus walked around talking about the pending eternal destination. That was real. That he believed it. With God, this is where you're going. Without God, this is where you're going. And they're eternal. With me, without me. Okay, Jesus was focusing on people's eternal destination and he was talking about it now if we are followers of jesus christ we don't try to shun that topic because it's unpopular amen we we don't because followers of jesus christ do what he did i mean that's what a follower is that's what a disciple is he just he just does what his disciple his disciple told him to do and so we're just followers of Jesus Christ. What do you think that means? It means we're doing what Jesus did. We're saying what Jesus said. It's just a, it's a matter of understanding that eternity is coming. Now, we're not like old school and stand on the street corner. And, and um, <laughs> uh, I've been around for a long time. And I was so burdened with people's destination that I went around the wrong way. I had a lot of zeal but zero knowledge anybody ever been there i used to stand street a car would go by in a street and i'd just run out in the middle of the street <gasps> you know they'd stop roll down the window i'd give them a track on this is how to get to heaven well you talk about angry oh they were mad 
<laughs> I did zero good. Can I hear an amen? I mean, I mean, they're thinking, that guy is crazy. Go door knocking. They open the door and, oh, they get ready to shut the door. You put your foot there. Who does that? An idiot. Can I tell you, honestly, that was me, an idiot. I said, you're going to hear this. Hey, yeah. You feel sorry for me? No, you feel sorry for the person, don't you? That was my first guy say. Seriously. A guy came to the door one time with a gun. Okay. Walked me off the property. I went to his back door. Amen. Woe me. So that's not what we're advising here. You've got to use some wisdom. And Jesus did. The, the, the people gathered around him because they wanted to hear his love, his teaching. He cared genuinely about, but he wasn't afraid to talk about eternity. It was on his mind. That means we've got to think after this life where people are going to spend eternity. That's, that's, that's something. I mean, I, you've got to have that on your mind that people are, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 7, wide is the gate that leads to destruction, hell. Narrow is the gate that leads to life and few that are going. I mean, we've got to be concerned. And it should motivate us to, to talk differently to people, to bring up the gospel to our neighbor. I mean, not every single time, but you've got to ask the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you in these things and, and be concerned. Uh, one time, well, just about five years ago, right before I left Nebraska to come here, uh, I was in the gym and I met a guy named uh, Brian. What was Brian's last name? Brian Hoover? No, that's not it. The Brian got in a motorcycle accident, honey. Bussy, Brian Bussy, because he listens to the sermon. He'll be glad that I'm talking about him. So Brian Bussy and, and I met in the gym, and we, we just had hit it off, and, and uh, uh, you know, I kept inviting him to church gently, nicely, you know, those kind of things, and all of a sudden, Brian wasn't there. Well, we had exchanged phone numbers. He was crazy enough to give me his phone number, right? And so I call him, and no answer. Well, after about three months, he answered. You know, I just called every now and then. Well, he had gotten a motorcycle accident, and his, his, he was laying like this, but his leg was flipped up that way, just completely, and it was gapped. And so he was in a the hospital. They were, grow, they were actually growing flesh. It's pretty cool as you hear him describe all of this stuff as he was in the hospital growing. But I cared about him, loved him in the hospital. When he first got out, what did he do? Boom. Came to church. Came to church. He's coming in on his crutches. He almost died. And he went to a, he went to a motorcycle driving uh, protection plan that, that Saturday and was coming home. And uh, he, he describes it as this white-haired lady, white, silver-haired lady as he was coming down. She just ran, ran him over with the truck. Just, he was coming down. She just ran him over. And the bike was underneath the truck, and it, it extended. So when she was, she was pushing on the gas, and the wheels were going like that, and she was like this. She was frozen. He's laying on the hospital screaming at her, or laying on the ground screaming at her. But. So he came to church. Now, I was excited to see him, you know, gave him, gave him a hug, and he sat with Judy, and him, it was him and his girlfriend, and, and uh, so at the end of the sermon, I'll never forget this, you know, I'm thinking about the sermon, you know, wrapping it up, and appreciating him being here, and Judy, just flat out, Judy says, Brian, what if you'd have died? 
I was glad he was there. I wasn't thinking of eternity. She was thinking of eternity. And all of a sudden, he cracked because he was near it. He just cracked. And right then and there, him and Judy knelt down, and he trusted Christ as his Savior. Isn't that good? Only because she had eternity on her mind. Can I hear an amen? So, so it motivates us to change our conversations. You, you know, money doesn't get to the other side. Our houses, our lands, our bank accounts, all that, the people last forever. All right? Jesus changed his travel plans over a woman that had been married five times and was living with a man. He just changed it. He wept over a city because he knew eternity was pending. I want you to go to Mark chapter 2 real quick. We'll, we'll just tell this, tell this story real quick. Actually, it, 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 it teaches itself. Mark chapter 2. There was, uh, verse 1 says, And Jesus returned to Caper- Capernaum several days later, and the news spread quickly that he came, or he was back home. And so he went to this home in verse 2, and I didn't put it up there, but he's, he's in his home, and it, all these people jammed the house, and the Bible says that, that there was no room even outside the door. There was this line waiting to see Jesus. And so these four guys pick up their paralyzed friend and bring him to the Lord. But they can't get in. And you know the story. The door was barred. So what they do? They found another door. They went on the roof, they tore it apart, made a hole in it, and they let their friend down right in front of Jesus. And he healed the guy. He got up, he took his bed, and he walked out. Well, there was no room. I don't know if he was able to get out. He went back up in there. But he took up his bed. It's a fantastic story. They found another door. You ever, you ever witness somebody, just talk to them about the Lord, and just, they just are not going to listen no matter what. Uncle, Uncle Jeff, we called him Uncle Butch back then. I've talked a little bit about him when he, when he went to the military. He was a sweet guy, and he came out. He was just on recuss and still is an on recuss, and he'll even tell you that. When I first witnessed to him, he told me, he said, Timmy, I'm going to be in hell with all my buddies, and we're going to be drinking beer and watching football. You ever hear something like that before? That's, that's what he told me years and years ago. And so, you know, we just pray for our family. All of our kids prayed for our family over the years. And guess what happened? His son married a Christian gal. And now his grandkids are in church. And Butch is around that all the time. Isn't that good? God opened another door. Aunt Tina the same way. I, I'm just blown away what happened. Aunt Tina, she's Butch's sister. Uh, Judy was able to lead her to the Lord years ago. But, you know, all my family was distant from God and, and no one wanted to hear the gospel. No one wanted to listen to, to me, witness to him. <laughs> and so, you know, just put me off, put me off. And years later, you know, as we pray for our family, um, my sister sends me this link. Now, Aunt Tina had a son, her only son. He was her pride of life and he, he was my grandmother's pride of life. He was everything, Michael. Well, Tina and, and Grandma, you know, didn't want to hear about the Lord. Well, then all of a sudden, my sister sends me the link, and I'm watching it. And all of a sudden, Mike, Mike is in this prison. But he's not one of the prisoners. He's standing up there 
with the word of God and he's telling these prisoners how to get saved. And I, and I start bawling, right? Because I'm in Nebraska and my family's back here. And, and he's telling each one of these people how they can have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And of course, I'm bawling. My point is, God opened another door to come back and witness to my aunt, witness to my grandma, and witness to the whole family. God is saying, eternity has to be on our mind. So we can, if we want to, use prayer and open another door. Last of all, last of all. Why was Jesus' people on Jesus' mind? Because he knew the potential of people. He knew the potential of people. Sometimes we don't really get that, do we? <laughs> Sometimes if, if, if they're mean to us and they say things that hurt us, we just kind of write them off. Anybody like that? Now, come on. I mean, how many are alert and here this morning? You're listening to everything I say. Come on. How many here are, your, your head is just, you're, you're, you know, you're just doing everything you can to stay awake. How, how many, how many are here, because we're going to have you stand up in the sermon. Anybody, we'll put you up here and you stand, anybody like that this morning? Okay, so you're all listening, right? Okay, so, so sometimes we do that. We just write people off that there's no potential there. Well, there's a great story and we don't have time to get into it, but Zach, well, we should take time, right? Zacchaeus. Jesus uh, uh, goes and he sees Zacchaeus up in a tree. He says, Zacchaeus, come down because I'm going to your house today. Remember the song? And so Jesus goes to his house. Now, he's a tax collector. We had to describe tax collectors, right? Tax collectors are greedy people. Only Jesus could see generosity in a greedy person. We see a greedy person, we kind of... He's all about himself. He don't care about anybody. You know, we're just talking. Jesus looks beyond that because what happened, Zacchaeus gets saved and he gives four times more than he stole because he stole from everybody. All He's a tax collector. He'd charge him and then he'd ta- charge him more. Everybody he took money for, he'd give return fourfold. You just have to come up and say, you took it from me, give it back. And he's going to divvy it out because he's, he's a wealthy man. But only Jesus could see generosity and greed. Jesus sees the potential. Jesus seen in Mary Magdalene purity, even though she was a prostitute. He saw in her purity, even where she was living. Fantastic stuff. Jesus sees the potential in you. He sees the potential in me. He sees the potential in other people. But what we do is we make that initial judgment and it's over. And then we begin to fabricate and blow it out of proportion. Hello? That's the way Satan does in our mind. And we buy it off. But what we have to do is understand that with Christ, they're a new creature. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. And then not only that, you know how Jesus looked at people? Jesus said, uh, this person plus me and my power can do anything. Isn't that true? That person plus me can do anything. That's the way we look at ourselves. I can do all things through Christ to strengthen. That's what we say all the time. Oh, I can do this. If, if Christ strengthens me, I can do this. Well, why can't we turn that around and look at that at the people around us and see their potential? That's what Jesus did. 
with me in their life, me controlling their life, there's no limits. The potential is off the charts. What am I saying today? One of the ways of dealing with pride and that self-centeredness is simply prioritizing people. Let's, Let's at real life care about the person. The people. Not the structure. We call this the church. But it's not a structure. It's not a building. It's a people. If you notice at real life, we're growing. There's a lot of churches around here. We're looking at their buildings because what? They're declining. Beautiful, beautiful facilities all over the city. 20 people attending. Why? It's because... They forgot to prioritize people. And who cares about the buildings? Who cares about that? We're not in it for the buildings and the structures. We're in it because God called us to prioritize people. Care about people where they're at. Not the religion, not the church, not because I want to be pre- I want to preach doctrinal sound truth. I'm responsible to God to preach the truth. That doesn't fly. Truth kills. Truth in love, however, explodes. We can't forget the love. Did you notice what happened when Jesus, all of these notorious sinners, don't you like that? (laughs) I like that word. Notorious sinners. Didn't that describe us? We're notorious sinners. They just flocked to Jesus. They didn't flock to those religious organizations. They flocked to Jesus, where Jesus exalted, all men will be drawn to me. So in real life, let's prioritize the person and not ourselves. Let's prioritize. At the beginning of the service, I said, I asked a question, what are you prioritizing? And hopefully you've been thinking about that through the message. Now, let's take people and put them, let our neighbors, the person at, at our job, sometimes we're so busy, we don't even stop and talk to people. Am I right? We don't, we, don't, we don't think about their eternity. We don't think about the Father's heart. We just don't think about these things because we're so consumed with what we have to get accomplished. We're so consumed with our little, tiny world that those opportunities that are right there, those people that God's planted in your life so that you could share the love of Christ with. Just invite them to church. It makes a huge difference. Because they come to church, they hear that, hey, this is a place that really loves people. They're not after my money. They're, they're, they're after me. You know. We want the money too, amen? <laughs> I know you were waiting on something. But seriously. Okay? People. People, people, prioritize, not just people, the person. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful, Lord, for your instructions right out of the word. (laughs) Oh, heaven, parties, when one person gets saved, may may real life have this kind of heart as as we're beginning to get stable and begin to be able to stand up on our own two feet and walk a little bit and, and as a new babe church. May we never lose 
the heartbeat for people. Because that's why you came. You sent your son to die for people. And may we have a heart for people. May we have a heart for people where they're going to spend eternity as well. May we look at people, Father, we need you to see through their crabbiness and their honoriness and their mean spirit. We need you to be able to see through to the potential that they have because of you. God, how we pray you do a work in our hearts. And Father, we'll give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Let's all stand this morning with our heads bowed. We're not going to have an invitation, but what we're going to do is give you an opportunity for just a few moments right where you're at. Because I, I know what happens. Close our eyes, bow our heads. I know, I know what happens. We leave here, and then all of a sudden, we're off running again. So, so let's just have a quiet time between us and the Father. What are you prioritizing? Right where you're at, just talk to the Father. Talk to God about helping you to put that person as a priority in your list, in your life. Just a few minutes.